Good morning, Faith Fellowship. Man, Happy New Year. <laughs> it's so good to uh, be able to see your loving faces for the first day of the year. How many of you got a chance to come to Mission Focus this year? Okay, man, quite a few of you. Okay, awesome. If you didn't, man, you missed it. It was incredible this year. And uh, I mean, we have a good time every year, but really, man, I thought the Lord was really just speaking about some very practical things to me personally. And so if you weren't able to make that, uh, you still can listen to it online. So I would check that out and just really, you know, see, okay, does the Lord have something new for me? You know, I'm always wanting to challenge you with new uh, pers uh, perspectives. And uh, I think it'd be good for you to just really consider, you know, the mission for 2023. Okay. So if, uh, if you haven't done that, make sure you do that. Uh, we have something else very special. And one thing you miss if you weren't here for that, did anybody get a chance to see the ordination of Pastor George French? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so listen, let me just tell you just a little bit the, from my perspective. So I met George and Jamie and uh, their son, Wyatt probably two years ago, I think it was. And it was one of those times in mission focus morning session, which is why you should come to those because you never know who you get to talk to, uh, that he was sitting at a table. They were sitting at a table and I just sat down and talked to them and we talked. I mean, I think we were late getting back to the session. <laughs> yeah. Right. And anytime, anytime we talk anyway, it was, I was like, Oh, we got to hurry up and get back. And so, Listen, Pastor George, incredible heart, incredible heart for the people that God has given him, incredibly faithful to the ministry. Um, actually, his relationship with Midtown came by way of LBI. And so, man, he's just been a faithful man to just plow that hard ground. And so here we now have this great opportunity that really he's taught here once in this building. Pastor James, let me know. Uh, that he was in Kenny's class and helped open the Meyer building to that. And now he is ordained. And so we get a chance to listen to Pastor George French. And so, Pastor, come and uh, preach to us this morning. Thank you so much, Dell. You know, so to give you kind of a little bit sort of my perspective on that first meeting with Dell um, that year, and I correct me if I'm wrong, Del, but you don't normally teach the D2 class. Is that right? Is that what you told me? But yeah, that, that particular year, Del was teaching part of the D2 class. And um, so like for two years, Jamie and I had been in LFBI and we had been, um, we'd been taking classes and in a lot of ways, the, the pastors and the, the teaching elders, all those that were teaching were kind of like celebrities to us. You know, we just saw them on the screen and we knew that, hey, they're mature and they're, they're knowledgeable. And, and so like the, we get to mission focus and we, we were staying at a hotel up main street and, and uh, we were driving by the church and it just so happened that Kenny walks out and we're like those people in, in Hollywood driving past the celebrities homes. Jamie's like, there's Kenny Morgan. And we're like, Oh man. And so Dell sits down there. It's like, oh, there's Dell Thomas. <laughs> so, but man, we are we are so blessed to get to be here. God is God is so good, y'all. It's just, man, I can't say enough. Um, oh, and I, I do want to make sure sure y'all see this. When I took the homiletics class, Joe McCaig told he was warning us against drinking coffee before we spoke. He said, it, except at MBT. 
And he was pretty sure that it was a requirement to speak at MBT to have a cup of coffee. So I've got my credentials. So, but let's go ahead and, and open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just, we come to you this morning, Lord. We love you. And, and God, we just, we thank you so much for allowing us to, to be here, to, to have the freedom to come and to gather, to, to corporately worship you and to open your word together. Lord, you have blessed us so richly. You've given us the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and, and you've given us the gift of your word. And, and Lord, I just pray now that through your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would just open our hearts. Father, I just pray that you would help us to, to take in. Lord, you've been pouring into us for these, these last few days with mission focus. And Lord, you've You've blessed us so richly. God, I just pray that this morning you would continue to encourage us, but Lord, you would also convict us and challenge us. God, as we're we're starting this new year, Lord, I just pray that you would you would help us to stay focused on you, stay focused on the mission to to just follow hard after Christ. And Lord, I just pray that you would just take me out of the way this morning, Lord, because because my words are foolishness, but God, I just pray that you would speak through me and that you would anoint my speech. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And man, y'all, we have got so much to be thankful for. I mean, you know, we just got done with mission focus and and the messages that God gave us through the speakers and the the decisions that were made. Um, I know we're staying with Arnold and Linda Thomas and and Thursday night um, after the invitation, uh, there was a young man sitting next to Arnold and he was able to lead him to the Lord and and man, you know, I'm sure that there are other many other stories that I haven't heard about, and, and it's mission focus. I'm sure a lot of people were challenged, uh, but man, praise God for the the laborers that served, and for the food, and for the the beautiful what from to us from Wyoming is like spring, maybe even summer weather that y'all were having this week. Man, that was so nice, and for the travel mercies for everyone, we have so much to be thankful for, just in general. And for for Christ dying on the cross for our sins and for being allowed to serve God when when on our own, we're so unworthy. Man. But here's the question, y'all. Do we give thanks in everything? You know, we got all these great things that to give be thankful for, but do we give thanks in everything? Ephesians 5:20 says, giving thanks always for all things. And, you know, sometimes it can be a whole lot harder to give thanks for the things that that we don't want. It's like, uh, you know, like, y'all ever get that present at Christmas? It's worse when you're a kid. As an adult, you learn to compensate. You learn to say, oh, it, it's blue. Thank, thank you. <laughs> but in your mind, you're thinking, oh, did I really just get this? For the, but as Christians, for the trials, the difficulties, the losses, we just wrapped up Mission Focus 2024. Sam, Sam lined us out on that. I, I thought it was 2023, but it's 2024. And this was centered around some of the realities of church planning. And, 
What we're going to be talking about this morning, it, it applies equally to all believers and just in general in our life, our walk with Christ, but it can really be magnified under the pressures of church planning. And I can tell you that from my limited experience in, in church planning, and we've been doing this for two years now, there's going to be a whole lot of times where you get blessings you should be thanking God for, but they don't come the way you want them. You don't see them as a blessing when they first come to you. They come the hard way, the painful way, the way that chisels away more of you to reveal more of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the midst of those fiery trials, praising God doesn't, doesn't really come easy. You know, we're all for God's plan when it matches our plan, but the tune can change awful fast when it's something different than what we want. And in fact, sometimes rather than, than being thankful, we actually get, I hate to say this, but if we're honest, we get angry with God. God didn't give us our way. And this morning, we're going to be in the book of Ruth in chapter 1. And we're going to be starting in verse 19. If you brought your Bibles, you can be turning there. And to give you a little bit of context for today's passage, we're going to be comparing the response of, of the two women, Naomi, the mother-in-law, and Ruth, her daughter-in-law, to a time of incredible trial in their lives. <clears throat> and what we're going to see is that we encounter trials in our life, and and we get to choose our response. We can become bitter at how God is moving in our life, or we can respond to God's moving by getting busy serving him. So Naomi, along with her husband and her two sons, they had left the promised land of Israel to go to the land of Moab, Israel's enemies. During a time where God was dealing with Israel, he was dealing with their, their national sin through a famine in the land. And y'all, like many Christians do, when God's dealing with them, they try to run to the world to escape. God's putting some pressure on them because there's something in their life that they just don't want to turn loose of. And rather than repenting and turning to God, we want to run to the world for relief. But this family was, they were only intending to sojourn in Moab, but they continued there. And eventually Naomi's husband dies and her two sons, they marry Moabite women. And after about 10 years, the sons both die. So where we pick up today, Naomi is returning to Israel and one of her daughters-in-law, Ruth, has come with her. So in Ruth chapter 1 and verses 19 through 20, Says so they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. So the people of Bethlehem take notice when they come into town. There, there's this lady and she kind of looks familiar, but they're not sure if it's really Naomi. She's been gone a while, over 10 years, and, and time and circumstances can really change a person. The name Naomi means pleasant, but, but now Miss Pleasant isn't very pleasant anymore. Mara means bitter. Naomi is bitter, and, and she wants everybody to know it. She very much sees herself as a victim. 
And notice why she says she's bitter. See, she's placing the blame for her bitterness on God. I'm bitter because God treated me bitterly. And, you know, bitterness is a, man, it's a nasty thing that, that creeps into our life far too easily. It's like a weed that comes in, and once it's there, it's, it's difficult to get rid of, and it just it starts taking over everything. And we get locked into this place where we, we start feeling sorry for ourselves, and we start having this victim mentality where someone treated us unfairly. And really what we're saying is God treated us unfairly. And we start justifying whatever our sinful reaction is because we're the victim. And what most of us won't admit is that we ultimately, we lay the blame on God. And, and any time, y'all, that we're bitter, we're ultimately bitter against God. That's, that's the hard truth. That's the hard reality. We want to say, oh, I'm the victim, and so-and-so was so mean to me. But really, we're bitter against God. And bitterness doesn't just spring out of nowhere. Bitterness is actually a product of anger. So we get this progression. Anger by itself is just a, a neutral emotion, but anger can lead to sin if we don't interpret and process it biblically. And if we're walking in the spirit, then when we have anger, we deal with it by recognizing the root issue. Anger can actually be a good tool. We see the root issue. What's, what's the real reason that I'm angry? And we grieve it and we forgive it and we actually grow from that. But when we're walking in the flesh, then our interpretation of anger is going to be wrong. Because we'll be looking at it through the lens of our selfish, fallen flesh instead of the, the truth of God's word. So if we're in the flesh, we deal with anger in one of two ways. And both of these are sinful. Both are wrong. The first one is the explosive, the venting rage. You've all seen those people. We've probably all done it. We're going to take our anger out on someone or something until we've gotten enough of it out to lower the pressure. We are just, whoever happens to be there, the, the one, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, the person that says hi at the wrong time, whatever it is, and we just explode all over. The other one is implosive. And this is the response that holds it in, that bottles it. Satan even convinces us that this is noble. It's, this is the spiritual response to bite our tongue and to just hold it in. We're keeping it in check. The thing, y'all, is that this response, even though it, it may seem to be spiritual because we're not blowing up all over somebody, it's still not the biblical response. It's still a work done by the flesh. It's me trying to control my flesh and, and hold it in, and eventually it will produce sin. And one of the things that implosive anger produces as it festers over time, because explosive, it kind of happens quick. But implosive, we're holding it, we're holding it, and it's building, it's building. And as it festers inside of us, it produces a root of bitterness. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 14 through 15, it says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. 
looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So bitterness leaves us stuck, and, and we're just wallowing in our own misery. And here with Naomi, she may have physically gotten up and moved to the promised land, but emotionally and spiritually, she's still trapped by the enemy who uses her grief and turns to anger that turns to bitterness. And so now, yeah, she's coming back from, from the world, from the land of the enemy to the promised land, back to Bethlehem, the house of bread. But now she's just all bitter because she's bogged down in this. You know, when Christ's glory is no longer the all-consuming thing of our life and we slip back to a place where we're no longer living like we're dead and don't matter, then all of a sudden God is no longer our Lord, but our oppressor. And we see this here with Naomi where she blames God. Ruth chapter 1 and verse 21, Naomi says, I went out full. And the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? In her mind, she was good. She went out full. Man, when I left, everything was great. But God brought her back empty. And in her self-pity, Naomi is... Naomi is missing something, that it isn't about us. It's never about us. It's always about Christ's kingdom glory. But even in that, God is a loving and merciful God. And y'all, even when we don't understand what he's doing, we have to have faith that God wants to bless us. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. See, sometimes God has to prepare and position us to receive that blessing. And if we're outside of God's will and his plan, if we've gone to the world, we've gone off on our own agenda, then that can mean being brought back empty. But man, I can tell you from my own experience in my own life, praise God for the emptiness. Because when we're full, then we're self-reliant. Then we're, we're increased with goods. We're rich and increased with goods, and we need nothing. Sometimes we need to be empty so that we come to the end of ourselves. And it's only then that we learn to be desperately dependent on God. It's only when we're in that place of complete dependence that God can really start to work and God can truly bless us. See, when God brought Israel out of Egypt, he had to take them through the wilderness to prepare them before they were ready for the promised land. They had to wander in a place of emptiness. They had to be in a place where there was no plan B. God had to provide manna from heaven or they would perish. Have any of y'all ever been in that place where 
If God doesn't provide the manna from heaven, that's it. It's over. Man, it's hard. But man, praise God for that because we learn to be completely dependent. When you come to that place, your faith grows to a whole new level. And you learn to trust in God in ways you never did before. And this is one of the blessings that comes with church planning because God takes you to that place over and over again. I'm a slow learner. I, I got to have the lesson multiple times. But God takes us, seems like sometimes on a weekly, maybe even more than once a week, to, to that place where, where God, if you don't move, then we are going to fail. And as hard as it is, you become completely and desperately dependent on God, and, and you see him move in mighty ways that only God can. But if you aren't empty, then your faith won't grow because you're going to depend on your fullness and not God's faithful provision. Rather than being bitter, you know, we got to embrace the emptiness. And the way to get through the empty wilderness, the way to, to get through the grief, the, the anxiety, the depression, whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever season of trial, whatever you're struggling with and not become bitter and angry is to seek God instead of seeking relief. Now I know we're wired to want to seek relief from whatever the, the pain, the misery, the difficulty is, but we got to learn to seek God. If you seek relief, you'll never fully find it. But if you seek God, not only will you find him, but in him, you will find relief. When we put everything into the biblical perspective, what we realize is that Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So whatever I'm mad about, whatever I'm sad about, whatever I'm a victim of, it's of the flesh and not of God because in the flesh it's all about me and not Christ's kingdom glory. But I'm dead. I am crucified with Christ. I'm dead. And therefore, if I'm dead, I don't matter. There is no victim because the victim's dead. And Christ is the only one that matters because I'm alive in him. Which means that instead of sitting around and, and having my pity party in the flesh when the field gets too hard, when the work gets to be too much, when I go through the fiery trial, when God doesn't do it my way, when God doesn't follow my plan, I need to serve my Lord in the Spirit. In Ruth, we, we see the, the bitter, wrong response with Naomi, but Ruth shows us the right way. In Ruth chapter 1 and verse 22, says, so Naomi returned, and Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. 
And then continuing on into chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who is of the kindred of Elimelech. So rather than being brought to Bethlehem against her will, see Naomi had, had gone out, but God brought her back. Rather than being brought to Bethlehem against her will, Ruth actually sought God. Naomi makes it very clear in verse 21 that she went out, but God brought her home. But rather than Ruth, Ruth is the total opposite. If we were to back up further into chapter 1, what we would see is that Ruth actually had to persist in order to get to Bethlehem. Naomi tried multiple times to get Ruth to go back. Ruth had to persist. Ruth was sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in her life, and the difficulties and discouragements were not going to stop her from getting to the place that God wanted her to be. God was moving through those trials and circumstances of Ruth's life to get her to the place where God needed her to be to start working in her life. And y'all, for those that are involved in church planning, the enemy will try in many ways and and sometimes even working through those that we're closest to, to keep us from being faithful to go to the place and the work that God's called us to. But now that Ruth is there, now that she's in Bethlehem, what we see is that she's not going to just sit around and feel sorry for herself. Okay, we, we changed locations, but now let's have a, a pity party here. Now there's new people to get sympathy from. No, she doesn't do that. And it's a hard field. And Ruth doesn't have the dream church building and the dream location with all the pieces in place, with all the, the AV equipment and the team to run it and the praise team and all the stuff. You know, her circumstances may not look very great, but the future isn't hopeless. God has provided a step, a single step for Ruth to move forward in faith, a way of provision. Leviticus 23, 22, God tells the, the nation of Israel, and when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest. Neither shalt thou gather any gleaning of thy harvest. Thou shalt leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. And God restates it in Deuteronomy 24, 19 through 21. When thou cuttest down thine harvest in thy field and hast forgot a sheaf in the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands. When thou beatest thine olive tree, thou shalt not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. 
And when thou gatherest the grapes of thy vineyard, thou shalt not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. So God provides a way for widows and, and the fatherless to, to have a means of survival, a means of sustenance. God has provided this one single option for Ruth. Because remember, Ruth is a Moabitess. She's coming in to an area that's going to, to a, a city that's going to be very hostile to her. She's a widow. And in that culture, she doesn't really have options. But God has given her one, one step. But it would require humility to go out and glean the leftovers of the field. This wasn't really a glamorous thing. This wasn't like the position of being the landowner or even the servants of the landowner. But it was, was God's provision. And we see that Ruth was willing to take that step of just humbling herself and getting busy seeking God's provision. And it would also take hard work. Harvesting would have been hard work anyway. I mean... And you're out there all day long in the field in the sun. And, but gleaning would have been extra tedious because she'd have been looking for the grain that was missed or dropped. It's not like just going along and picking the nice full bunches. She's picking and hunting and going all over. But Ruth was willing to get out there in the field. There was no reluctance. No one had to force her. No one had to peddle her. Ruth just got out there. She said, let me go. She was willing to get out there in the field and get to work in the one step that God had given her. And just as with us, we have to be willing to get in the field that God directs us to, whether it be Kansas City, Laramie, Wyoming, or somewhere else. And we have to get our heads down and our hind ends up and just do that one hard thing that God has shown us. God shows us this same pattern of dealing with grief and, and then moving forward and following God when Israel is brought into the promised land. We see the same picture. In Deuteronomy 34, they have a period of weeping and they're grieving the death of Moses in the plains of Moab. Things didn't go the way they wanted. And they got to grieve it and they got to get rid of it. But then in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 2, they're told it's time to arise and to go into the promised land. And then through the book of Joshua, they go into the promised land and then they get busy doing the job that the Lord has given them, inhabiting the land. They move forward in faith, trusting God's provision and his promises and when they do that, God blesses them just like he did with Ruth. So as we wrap this up today, y'all, man, we look around and, and far too many Christians are in a place of bitterness. They're in a place where they feel like they're the victim and God has wronged them. God hasn't given them what they want, what they think they deserve. And they're bitter and they're burned out and they're just checked out. And even though they're saved, they don't want to be in the promised land. They don't want to be in a place of blessing because they're in the flesh and they're bitter with God over 
something of the world, something of the flesh that they've lost. They're living lives of spiritual defeat, just, just sitting and wallowing and feeling sorry for themselves and looking, looking at their loving God who bled and died for them as their oppressor instead of their Lord. It's time for Christians to realize that their, their selfish, bitter, sinful flesh has been crucified. They have to stop focusing on themselves. Stop focusing on their flesh. Stop seeking relief. And start walking in the Spirit and seeking after God. Christ's kingdom glory is the only thing that matters. We have to start living like it. And no matter where you're at today, I just, I want to challenge you. You know, whether you are, you're faithful like Ruth or you're bitter like Naomi or you're somewhere in between, I want to challenge you. It's the first day of 2024 and, and I know that's just, man, yeah, 23. Y'all, I am numbers challenged. I, I, I don't know if there's like a number dyslexia, but I'm pretty sure I've got it. 2023. Yes. So it's the first day of 2023. And, and I know that I just realized, I think I said it was mission focused 2024. Apparently I need more of this. <laughs> <laughs> And I know that that's just man's calendar. That, that's just, you know, we've made this system and we've put this date. But use it. Use it as a tool to draw the line. To examine yourself today. And if you're caught in Satan's snare of bitterness, if you're focused on yourself, I want to challenge you to remember your flesh is dead, so you can't be a victim. You don't exist anymore. You're dead and your life is hid with Christ. And I want to challenge you to get up and to seek to embrace the emptiness, to have faith that God will fill that emptiness in his time if you just step out in faith and focus on him. And I also want to challenge all of us, my, myself included, to humble ourselves and to just get out there in the field and get busy with that one step that God's shown us. Just trusting in faith that God will direct us to a place of grace, that God will direct us to the field that we need to be in, to the place of blessing, if we just take that one single step that he's put in front of us. And finally, encourage one another. Support one another. Pray for one another. And you guys do an awesome job of that. MBT has been such an example to me because you guys are great, but, but keep it up. Don't slack off. And God has given us the local church body to work together to, to accomplish the mission of the head of the body, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, man, keep pulling together and just keep stepping out in faith. Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Lord, once again, we come to you. And God, I'm just, 
I'm so thankful to you that you've given me this opportunity to be with this, this incredible local church body of believers who have you've used so mightily in my life as examples. And, and Lord, I thank you for their faith and their love for you and their love for your word. And, and Lord, I thank you that you have encouraged them in that. God, I thank you so much that you've given us your word to order every step, every aspect of our lives. That God, we don't have to guess at what you want us to do. Lord, with your word and your Holy Spirit and the way you, you order the circumstances of our lives, if we will just be willing to take that single step of faith, no matter, no matter how hard it may seem, no matter how much we have to, no matter how much it's not what we want, Lord, you've given us that step. You, you always provide the way if we're willing to step out in faith. And God, I'm just so thankful for that. And and Lord, I just, I just pray for, for your blessing upon this, this body of believers. Lord, as we start this new year, God, I just pray that you would continue to, to guide and direct our steps, to continue to, to encourage us, to challenge us, to bless us. Lord, I just pray that most of all, that in this year to come, Lord, that Christ's kingdom glory will be the focus and the theme of our lives. And that with everything that we have and do, that we will bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.